0: Flat is a state of mind. Get to know the people, science, and stories that make the Kansas outdoors more than flyover country. This is Flatlander Podcast, presented by the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks and the Kansas Wildlife Federation.
1: Ladies, welcome back to the Flatlander Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay. And I'm Tana, or Captain Tana today, (laughs) excited to hit the water with you. Today, we're diving headfirst into the world of watercrafts, kayaks, paddleboards, you name it. We're joined by a very special guest, Chelsea Hoffmeyer, who is actually the KDWPT Boater Education Coordinator. And I'll let Chelsea tell our listeners a bit more about herself.
2: Hi, I'm Chelsea Hoffmeyer. I'm happy to be here with you guys today. I am, as you said, the boating education coordinator for the department here in Pratt in the education section. And uh, my main job is I, I manage the boating education uh, database and program. Um, I work with, you know, all of our um, agency to get out there and educate the public on boating safety. I, you know, I get out there myself too, but I'm, I'm mainly coordinating, you know, working with law enforcement, with state parks, with all of our, um, agency staff to really, um, get boots out on the ground and, and educate the public on how to be safe uh, out on the water. Um, and yeah, it's I, I get out there when I can and also go to, you know, some, some boat shows and conferences and, and any events, whether it's agency sanctioned events to do some, uh, water safety, boating safety, or, um, or there's other, you know, schools or other public events that they, they want us to be there at. I'm, I'm there for it. So And, um, uh, I grew up on the water. My, uh, my parents, my dad competitively water skied. I grew up on, on Wilson Lake, which personally to me is the best lake in Kansas, uh, the the (laughs) prettiest lake. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I grew up, I grew up on a boat. I was, I was a bit of a, a lake rat and, um, spent a lot of time out, out on the water, um, on a water ski boat and more recently got into paddling over the last probably decade or so. Um. And, and I really love getting out there and paddling as well. So, so Chelsea, you said you kind of had
3: a big background, you called yourself a lake rat. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And I echo your sentiment about Wilson Lake, love Wilson Lake. Um, actually we were both just out there recently, um, trying to catch some fish, but it was dang windy. Um, my family actually camps at Wilson Lake every year for like our big family camp out. So that's really fun. But I'm curious, I know you have a really interesting uh, background as far as your career goes. And so I'm wondering if like boater, boating involvement, boater education was kind of a goal for you as you formed that career, or if it's something you really found yourself, um, just kind of falling into and falling in love with
2: it yes yeah, silly I, I do I do have an interesting uh, way of how I, I got here. My degree is actually in wildlife biology um i went to to Forte state they have a great biology program there um and i did after I graduated my bachelor's I went off and did a, a many years of field work traveling around the country mostly with um birds um and ironically i did my background in boating really came came in handy with my field jobs as well I had a couple different seasons where we were out on the river on boats accessing sandbars or where we were um, observing turns and we had to use boats to get to the islands on the turn so so when I came about to this job um, I found myself in Pratt my husband works for the department as well so I we found ourselves both here with biology degrees and and both needing to to get a job and, uh, this one popped up and, you know, it might not have been in my route of kind of what I was expecting to go into, but it still kind of sparked some joy out of me because I did have that, um, background and, you know, having a wildlife degree is, you know, very helpful in it as well. So I had, um, great boating experience and wanted to, um, educate, educate the public on it. And, um, so it was, it was kind of a a fun way to come about this job. So it, it worked out. And in a good way. So yeah, well, we're lucky to have you.
3: Um, I know I had the pleasure of actually learning how to paddleboard from you at one of our KDWPT events, which was super, super fun. And um, that's such a unique way to explore an aquatic environment, you know, like, cause you're up above the water and it's such a, it's such an interesting level. Like you were really engaging with the environment in that way. Like, I don't know, I'm getting weirdly into the weeds, no pun intended. Um, but I also was able to execute a couple of really like poorly done yoga poses, I remember. And I absolutely fell into the water at least once, um, multiple times, really more realistically. But um, it was so fun and so
2: cool. You, you give yourself, you don't give yourself enough credit. That head, that headstand was beautiful. And that is <laughs> something I will never be able to do in my lifetime if I
3: you <laughs> ever tried. Hold up. You did a headstand on a paddleboard. Like, I don't know the yoga. What is it called when you put your knees it's like on a tripod,
2: or like a tree? A tri- I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm not a yoga. I'm not a yogi. But <laughs> and it
3: was followed with like a big splash cannonball. She, no, like more she, unintentional.
2: She was pretty impressive. It was. I uh, know it, it, it was, was a fun. lot of fun. No, it was fun teaching. You did a great job. And, he, and you know, anyone we ever teaches, you know, as long as you're willing to, to get up there and do your best. I, at the beginning of her class, no matter what time of year it is, I encourage people to fall into the water because to me. You know, I always I would say that uh, if you don't fall off your board, you're not going to know you're not going to learn how to get back on it. So, yeah. so I encourage, you know, I fall off the board all the time because I love to screw around and that's that's how you get better. So mm-hmm. so I was happy to watch you <laughs> fall into the water. So. It was fun. You make it approachable. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad I have a lot of fun doing it.
1: OK, so for the sake of our listeners, I feel like we should define a couple of things, like the difference between a boat and a paddle craft. Um, or a personal watercraft, because there are a couple of different ways to classify these flotation devices.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yes, there there are a lot of terminology in, in the world of boating. Uh, so there's there's lots of things to learn. There's lots of different um, types of boats, lots of different activities, um, a lot of lot of different um, terminology out there. So paddlecraft is anything human propelled or human propelled something you're paddling with your your feet your arms a paddle an oar anything along those lines um a personal watercraft or a pwc is is a, a what more people are more commonly known as jet skis so that is a a motorized watercraft is is what a personal watercraft is referred to as um but as far as paddle craft that can be anything you know canoes, kayaks, paddle paddle boats, um, paddle stand up paddle boards, um, little row boats, um, things along those lines, and as far as what is considered a a watercraft in the stand and in the state of Kansas is um, anything anything that be powered by motor, sail, and human propelled um, watercraft. So all those paddle craft are considered a vessel in the state of Kansas. So they have certain rules and regulations that they need to abide by, just like motorized watercraft. So that's one thing we al- also um, try to instill in people in the public that uh, those are considered boats and they come with those rules and regulations as well. Cause sometimes that's a, a misconception. If someone's out on a, a, a paddle, paddle craft of some sort, they sometimes forget that they <laughs> rules apply to them as well so that's that's a a big thing that we try to push out
3: you know i one of the places where the line i think gets a little bit fuzzy especially for just general recreationists is like inflatable craft um you know where do you draw the line between someone like floating around in an inner tube and like a little float like um inflatable raft where somebody maybe drifts out too far like you know
2: where do you draw yeah, that yeah, line? there's so many fuzzy lines and in, in boating it's and like anything like any regular thing that has regulations because it is funny you can be out in the, in the middle of the lake on a pool floaty mm-hmm. and have no right re- you know no reg, no regulations and then you can or you can be floating down a river in a inflatable bed i mean it's it's it all it's all about um whether you have a means to propel that that boat That be, so a paddle. Um, so if you had, I imagine, a paddle on a air pool floaty, I mean, that turns into a turns into a vessel. So so anything that you have, like I said, means to to paddle that vessel or to propel that vessel forward is 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 required is considered a, a vessel in yeah the state of kansas so it's so if you're just out there on an inner tube then then you're you're fine i mean you can unfortunately do whatever you see whatever you so please so um as long as you've got a way to to paddle that or propel that vessel forward is, is kind of a way that works
3: <laughs> i'm thinking of you owners of the giant flamingo floaties <laughs> and the giant unicorns that we're seeing now. they're like the size it, of trampoline yeah, they
2: make and that's just it they're constantly the industry is constantly coming out with crazy inventions and toys and and we're we see new things all the time and sometimes we yeah. have to ask ourselves what do we do with this yeah. <laughs> how, to, how do we throw this into the regulations and i I, you know, I, I'm always going to our, you know, our law enforcement is the one that um, our law enforcement officers are the ones that kind of regulate this. And they're the ones seeing this stuff out on the water and making sure everybody's following the rules. Our boating law administrator, who I, I look to a lot for these kind of tricky questions because they're kind of the say all and all with that kind of stuff. So they're very helpful (laughs) with those, those kind of new things.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're not even 15 minutes into this, and I'm already learning so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. I did not know this. No.
3: Man. So, so as we, like, we're like, we talking about regulations and safety, and so that's probably the first and most important thing that we get right into. Um, we've got lots of fun things to talk to you about today, Chelsea, but we, we do want to dive into safety. Um, so one of the first steps as far as necessary safety precautions that I've heard of, and I know you've spoken about in some of our KDWPT events where you've instructed, is um having a float
2: plan. Do you want to talk to us a little bit more about that? Yes. Um very, very important. Um one of the the most important safety precautions besides life jackets, which I assume we'll also touch on, um oh, yeah. is, is filing a float plan filing a float plan. Um, it sounds complicated, but it's really not. It can be anything from telling a friend, telling a loved one um, where you're going and what you what you plan to do. It doesn't matter if you're going out for a few hours, if you're on a lake, if you're on a river, if you're in a you know motorized watercraft or just you're paddling somewhere on a kayak. Um, it can be a text. It can be an actual sheet that you fill out. There's downloadable plans that you can fill out, um, whether it's a quick trip or an overnight trip. And. You just tell people, tell whoever you want. You can go to park offices. You can go to if you really want to you know, be official and and make sure someone knows where you're at. Um, Because that is the point of a a float plan is making sure that someone knows where you're going, when you expect to come back, um, because things can happen out there that you don't um, plan for. And you want to make sure that if you do get into trouble that. You know our law enforcement, who who comes out to help, knows you know they can get to you the quickest way possible. You know there's there's big lakes out there, the long rivers that you just if you could be anywhere on that lake, and it's sometimes uh, a matter of you know minutes or you know it could be peak could could be your life um, at stake, and uh, so we wanna we wanna get you back home, and so that is the purpose of filing a float plan, and even if you know it's even better if you go out with you paddle or go boating with someone, you know, we always encourage people to paddle in groups, um, boat and boat with people. Don't go out by yourself. But even if you do go out with groups, you know, like once again, still let people know where you're at, um, take a, some kind of communication device with you, whether it's a cell phone and a dry bag or those, those more, um, fancier kind of satellite tracking systems and stuff. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's the purpose of the float plan, um, for you, for your safety, for your, (laughs) your loved one's peace of mind. Um, My husband just went, went up to Wilson again the other weekend and he, he knows, he knows who he's married to. And he, he uh, let me know, you know, where he was paddling up and he was going to go fishing for a while in his kayak. He shot me a text when he was off the water. So I knew he was good for the night. So it's, it's the little things like that, that could, could save your life one day. Cause even if you're an expert, you, things happen as we've all seen, unfortunately. So it's filing a float plan is is something we really um, push hard on. So.
1: Yeah, that's an important one. Yeah. Not to mention, like, for example, uh, I used to float the Kansas River when I lived in Manhattan and uh, our float plan included having someone pick us up at our at our takeout point. So we had to let them know when to expect Mm -hmm. us and everything else. So they knew when to be there and when we should be there. And it's important to let people know because if you're not there when you're supposed to be, I mean, something happened and hopefully we can get it sorted out in a timely fashion. Yeah,
2: Yeah, you can always set up a plan. You know, if I'm not, you know, if I'm not here at this point or don't hear you know, wait, you know, maybe ask this person or, or wait a little bit longer and then you know let them know and you can you know with if, if you're following or a float plan officially with anybody you know it can be anything as you know what boat you're in what color um what color the style the um model stuff like that um and and when yeah how long you where you think you're going how long you expect to be out um all that so anything anything identifiable that they can help um go out there and try to try to find you if you're separated from your boat or if and, you know, any any of that information is, is helpful. So
1: yeah, including what your uh, life vest looks like. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. want to talk about life vests. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Hopefully it's attached to you. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, I mean, that did, that. Yes. So that's very important.
1: So now, okay, we do have
3: to talk about Life LifeFest now because yes, it's been totally brought do. up twice. So, Chelsea, I'm wondering, um, you know, of course, with the agency, we always encourage people to wear their life jackets when they're going to be on the water. Um, at the bare minimum, as per our regulations, they at least need to be with you on your person and in a place that is easily accessible. Um, just in case of an emergency, we just want to make sure that everybody stays safe. So can you talk a little bit more about those rules surrounding life jackets and life jacket use? I know there's some differences with ages and then maybe give us some tips about how to pick a great life jacket. So maybe some fit tips or brands that you really enjoy.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, life jackets, life jackets, life jackets. You can never talk enough. I can never talk enough about life jackets. Um, we'll start with the official rules. Um, anyone. So on a motorized watercraft um, and Paddle and paddle craft, motorized and paddle craft. It uh, makes no difference here. That is the one one piece of equipment that is all across the board needed on a, on any boat that you go on. Um, so there has to be a personal flotation device or life jacket. Um, they're one and the same um, for every single person on board um, the vessel. It has to be the right fit and um, good condition, good serviceable, condi- serviceable condition. Um, no, you know, rips, tears, sun damage, stuff like that. Um, a board for every person on the vessel, out, um, easily accessible. It can't be in any compartments. It can't still be in the packaging. Some people strap them onto the backs of the seats, or they sit on them, or they're in, you know, under the seats and and stuff like that. So they need to be out, ready to grab within seconds um, um, of something happening all of a sudden that you're not expecting, uh, and then. Anyone twelve and under have to be wearing those life jackets. Um, they have to, once again, fit fit correctly. We, you know, we go out there and sometimes you see an adult life jacket drowning in a little, you know, on a little kid, and that's um, so it has to. It fit is very important. Um, more the the fit is more important than say the style and, and and whatnot because if it doesn't fit correctly, it won't stay on. It won't do what it's meant to do. Um, so that is, that is the rule. You have to have a type four um, life jacket, which is a throwable device. You know, those, those are what people sometimes tend to sit on and stuff, but that those have to be on motorized watercraft um, 16 feet or larger. So that's for um, other motorized watercraft, but for paddlecraft, you just need the life jacket. Um, and le- yes, like I said, anybody 13 and older, unfortunately, do not have to wear those life jackets. Um, you know, we, we, we at the agency, well, at least, the boating educators and the agency really wish that, uh, it was otherwise, but, and that's why, you know, we try to educate the public of the, you know, usefulness and, um, for actually wearing those life jackets. But that is the, that's the hard and fast rule. You at least have to have, and you know, and that's one of those rules out there when law enforcement are checking, they, they don't tend to budge on, you know, that if they're checking boats and stuff, that is, you, you need to have that stuff on, on the, on board. Um, um, so we really, yeah. Well, that's one thing we really try to educate on is, is life jackets. Um, unfor- Go ahead. Oh, um, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I was, unfortunately, you know, when, and and when it comes to accidents and stuff, the statistics out there for drowning and, and boating accidents, whether it's motorized watercraft or paddling, you know, roughly, you know, that they do um, statistics every couple of years, the U S coast guard and uh, you know, 80, 85% of people that were, 85% of people that died in accidents were not wearing, you know, were not wearing the life jackets. You know, they, they did so by by drowning and only about 20% or so had their life jackets actually on. So the, the statistics are often very, very sad and, and very preventable. So, um, so we really try to educate the public on, on, life jacket use.
1: Yeah. So you, you've been mentioning quite a bit the proper fit of these life jackets. Could you talk to us a little bit about what that looks like? Like, how does someone know if the life jacket is fitting their child correctly, correctly, or if it's even fitting themselves correctly?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll talk about fit, the types of life jackets. Um, there's many, Types. So, and I talk about types. There's, there's a type one, type two, type three, type four, type five life jackets, different types. There's a bunch of different life jackets out on the market there that do, are meant for different activities, um, while out on the water, while on boats. Anything from the old school orange vest that, you know, we all kind of grew up with that you still see around on commercial vessels, stuff like that, or just some people still have those on boats as extra, extra life jackets, um, come in handy because I kind of fit everybody. Um, those are can be in the type one and two types, and then three. T- type three is often your your general kind of recreational life vest um, that you can tow people. You know, you can water ski in, you can just put on to go riding in a boat and uh, uh, other towing sports. And then um, type four is the throwable device, and then type five is kind of some specialty type devices. And and then they're also inflatable um, life jackets, which we can touch on as well. Um, but as far as the fit, so life jackets come in, you know, obviously they come in, you know, child, youth, adult, oversized, those kinds of um, styles or sizes, but really it's the weight you want to go off of your weight and your chest size is what you want to be more aware of. So don't worry about if you're Child is in an adult size life jacket. An adult size life jacket, universal life jacket is usually 90 pounds and above. So if you are 90 pounds, it doesn't, you know, matter. My, my two year old, two and a half, almost three year old, um, is still technically in an infant life jacket because it goes up to 30 pounds and she's right on that 30 pound mark. But that infant life jacket fits her better than a child size life jacket would. So if you're around, you know, if you're anywhere in between sizes, especially for children, that's something to be aware of. You know, don't, You know, worry so much about the weight if you're not if if they're on that border. Um, It's it's all about what fits um, because, like I said, when when they go in the water, you want to make sure that it stays on them. And one way to do that, if you're in the store, um, and that's another pointer, is if you're picking out a life jacket for yourself or for your kids, the best way is to do it in store. I know it's easy to order things online. I mean, we've all done it, and that's fine too. You can order one online and try it on and make sure it fits if you have to send it back, but it's, it's nice to go in a store, try one on. You want to make sure the buckles are all done up. Nice, um, nice and tight on yourself or your child. Some of those younger um, aged ones have the strap that goes in between the legs. So make sure that that is very important for um, children, young children, and as well as that back, um, kind of floaty thing behind the head. So that, um, really young children stay, um, face up, but, um, you want to make sure all the buckles are are buckled nice and tight, and then what you do is you put the your hands underneath their underneath their shoulders underneath the life jacket and pull up on it, tug up on it, and if it doesn't move or if it you know doesn't come up more than you know like an inch or so, and it stays you know above their chin, then then that then you know that 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 is going to stay on if they you know jump in the water or end up in the water somehow. So that's um, that is how that works. Uh, the Inflatable life jackets, there's, and you know, that's one thing that we advertise a lot is that there are so many different kinds of life jackets out there, the styles and types, colors, everything that there's, you know, these days, no reason that someone shouldn't be able to wear one and, and be comfortable, you know, because back in the day, yes, they were maybe a little more cumbersome and didn't have as many options. But now these days, it's, you know, if the problem is, oh, they're too hot or they're too uncomfortable, it's, you know, you don't really have that excuse anymore because um, these days you have inflatables, there's belt packs, the inflatable comes in just a almost a fanny pack um style, very unobtrusive um and then you're more of your harness inflatable life jackets. inflatable life jackets are only rated for sixteen years and older um and preferably someone who is a decent swimmer um not that that saves everybody all the time, but that's that's kind of what they say. Um, and those take a little more a little more upkeep you want to make sure that they are um the co2 cartridge is you know always in the green always good to go every once in a while they really tell you to inflate those on them every once in a while if you you know cuz you may go a long time without really need hopefully never really needing to use it and then then you have no idea if it's still good mm-hmm. so so you need to inflate those pull those off and um inflate those every once in a while and then unfortunately you have to buy a new cartridge after that but so those are a nice option for people that don't want this um, a big life vest on or something that if they they're worried about the fit. Um.
3: What about color, Chelsea? Um, I know there are a lot of different colors of life jackets available on the market right now, um, and a lot of those are very very vibrant, obnoxious colors. So I wonder if you. We'll talk a little bit about the intentionality of that and why, especially, um, you know, cause you're a parent and, um, it's like as a parent, is it necessarily a wise thing to purchase like a black or a really dark color life jacket
2: for your child? Um, as far as visibility goes. Yeah. But I mean, to, to visibility is, is is really important when it comes to being out on the water. I mean, the water itself is oftentimes kind of a murky drab color. Your surroundings are never very colorful. So if you have, you know, a colorful, you know, I'm all for, you know, colorful boat, colorful colorful paddle, colorful everything, you know, it's bad. Bring back the nineties. Bring back (laughs) those neon colors. You know, we we know what we were doing back then. It's so I, I don't know why that started to go away, but now it's, now it's all those muted colors. They still, I mean, you find, life jackets of of all different colors out there. But yes, there is a lot of black, a lot of, um, those more muted colors. And, and, and it's funny. There was a, I was seeing something the other day on studies of kids, swimsuit colors and stuff. Yeah, That's what made me think of it. Yeah. Yeah. So so, certain colors that reflect better, like in, in lake settings and pool settings, as far as Mm -hmm. being able to see your kids swimming. stuff. It was talking more about swimming and stuff, but so, I mean, it, it probably has a lot to, a lot to do with that. Certain colors show up more. Um, but uh, so I mean yeah, you're always going to have those people that want want the the black the uh, the more muted colors. But I think it's uh, important and and more fun to me. And that's another thing, another way. Sometimes you can get your children or who, you know, or yourself, whoever to wear the life jackets, you know, let them pick out their own, let them find their own color, whether it has a Disney character on it or a, you know, the, the fun color or something there is a, is a good way to make sure they kind of make it, make it their own. But yeah, bright colors is always a good idea is um, if you, if you fall in the water and you got a the boat has to swing back by to pick you up or someone's looking for you. Bright color is always a, a good idea for that, Um, for any equipment really. So,
1: so we've talked about uh, personal flotation devices and float plans. What else is required when you're on the water?
2: Yeah, and that you know some some different stuff. It depends on what you're what kind of boat you're out on. As far as paddlecraft, since we're did, we can talk a little bit about both of them, or everything, but paddlecraft specifically, uh, life jacket, life jacket, life jacket. That that <laughs> that is. I mean that that really is the the main thing that is required on your um boat um and a, a stand-up paddleboard is a vessel that a stand-up paddleboard is probably the most one the one we see or at least that i've seen personally most often people not having a life jacket on because i th- that's the one i think that people don't realize since it's one of the more it's one of the newer uh boats you know they've been in kansas for several years now, obviously, but, um, but still people are unfamiliar with the, the rules that apply to them. So, um, life jacket definitely has to be on those as well. So a life jacket for whoever's on board, once again, doesn't necessarily have to be worn by someone 13 and older, but we um, especially on paddlecraft, um, suggest that you wear your life jacket cause you're more likely to end up in the, in the water and, and stuff like in boats like that. Um, but, uh, other than that, on paddlecraft, if you're paddling at night, you're you're allowed to paddle at nighttime um, on on paddle and on any kind of paddlecraft um, as long as you have a white all around light. So just like lights are required on motorized watercraft, the, the red and the green lights, you're just required to have a a white all around light. You don't necessarily have to have it going shining all the time, but if there's other people around and someone's approaching you, you have to make sure that you're being seen when someone's around you to have that on. So, um, so, you know, that's always a, a good thing to carry anyways. A whistle technically is not required on paddlecraft, but it's something we also always suggest as a, some kind of sound producing device um, is always a good idea when you're kind of a small thing out on the water. So that's, uh, that's a good idea to have on you. Um, so other, so as far as paddlecraft, a life jacket really is the only, you know, leashes, Aren't required and, and all that other stuff. We have a lot of all kinds of recommended stuff that um we talk about uh, that is great to have on on board as well, which we can talk about that depending on what kind of outing you're doing. Um but other than that, as far as motorized watercraft, it it all kind of depends on the 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 length, the the size of your vessel, um ever you know, some stuff that's required, you know, life jackets, fire extinguishers boating, um, boating education, we should we can also um, touch on your registration, um, stuff like that. Um,
1: is there a place people can go online for them to find out more information if they're looking for what is required laws and regulations, voter registration, that kind of info that people might need to find?
2: Yep. yep. Yeah. If you go to our, our, just our department page, the chaos outdoors.com, uh, under the boating tab there's you know all kinds of information there obviously you can uh, learn about boating education what's required that we actually have a checklist there um kind of a neat little um checklist that you can go through and answer like the types of the things you have on your boat or what kind of boat you have and it'll tell you at the end what you need on that boat um depending on what you're what you're operating um we also have our boating regulation summary, which can be found online in PDF form under the boating tab. And then, I mean, you know, they, we send them out to all our, all our offices and, and stuff like that. So you can pick those up in person or call me and have one sent, to, you know, sent to you or something. We always have those on hand. Those are um, a handy thing they also have the that also has that checklist neat little checklist um in the back to say what what you need on the on the boat before you go out there because so it's a very good thing to find out what you need before you get out on the water mm-hmm. so
1: yeah okay great that's perfect because i know that there are a lot of different things depending on what people are looking yeah. for what they'll be doing out there yeah. so uh, yeah yeah we'll just put that link in the show notes and yeah will yeah, easily yeah. access it yeah. that way too
2: yeah it's understandable how it, it can be confusing and i don't blame people for calling asking and getting frustrated and want you know trying to figure out what they need so so we understand that it's it's a very complicated thing what what you need but we just ask that you find out you know find out what you need and just be prepared so that you know makes the our le guy, le guys and gals job easier they love to come check your boat and they love it when you have all everything you need my parents were just checked out at wilson the other day oh yeah <laughs> yeah my sister was like we just got checked at the Boat ramp, and we had everything we need. I'm like, good, glad you guys are representing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. Well, um, another great partner that we
3: have is the uh, Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation, and they have some really awesome resources that they've put together with Take Me Boating, Take Me Fishing. Um, as far as kind of like Chelsea mentioned on our agency webpage, we have um, awesome checklists and stuff. They've got great videos and how tos on like registering a vote, a boat um, different safety aspects, lots of really cool stuff there. So, um, go and check that out from our partners at the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation. And, uh, that's take me boating and take me fishing. That's another one we can drop in the show notes for you. Um, Chelsea, you know, we were kind of comparing the difference between motorized watercraft and like these personal paddle crafts. Um, I know that in some States you are required to
2: register your kayak or your paddle board. Is that the case in Kansas? It's not. And yeah, there are there are a handful of states out there that uh, require paddling vessels to um, register. And and not surprisingly, there's some of those states that probably have a, a huge paddle following, you know, the there, you know, Minnesota and stuff like that. Um, but yes, in Kansas, no, you do not have to register your paddle, um, your paddle craft, your kayaks, canoes, paddle boards, anything along those lines, anything that doesn't have a motor, you do not need to um register. You can if you want. It's, you know, encourage that. It's always a great idea. Um, If you are kind of a maybe, maybe more serious paddler where if it gets stolen or if you do get lost, you know, they can link back to link it back to you, but, um, but they, but it's not necessary. Um, So anything, anything without a motor doesn't need to be registered. Now, as soon as you put a motor on something, that is a very common question I get, um, mainly for, you know, canoes and, um, kayaks for whether it's fishermen or hunters or something, if you, you know, as soon as you stick a trolling motor on it or something, any kind of motor, then it automatically becomes a motorized watercraft. So then you do have to register. So you kind of just, you know, there's a little bit of, as we said, gray zone there um, for things that uh, you need to register. But other than that, nope, nope, they don't need to be, don't need to be registered. So.
3: Awesome. Well, and one, part of the reason for that registration um, in some States, I think that is like a funding mechanism Um, especially in those areas where they do devote a lot of their resources to like paddle sports and to access and opportunities for paddle crafters. Um, but also safety. So like if I if you've got your boat registered and we have information on it where we can go out and look for that specific vessel, look for you in like a horrible case where we do have to go out and perform a search and rescue. Um, our law enforcement, I say we, I'm not involved <laughs> in that process. Um, thankful for the folks that are, though. But um, that, that is a really important thing. So it's nothing nothing to scoff at. Um, you know, it's not meant to be a hassle in any way. It's really for your safety and protection. And then also to make sure that we can continue to provide opportunities, be it with a motorized vessel. Or um, a paddle craft in some states.
2: Yes, yes, for sure. Um, I you know I think there's been some push in the past or ad advocacy in the past to try to get those you know get that in Kansas where we're registering our paddle craft. But you know there's uh, two sides to every coin, and and some say that's a good idea, some don't. So it's just yeah, there's there's definitely good in, uh, with it. So so we've talked about how to keep your safe self
1: what self safe? (laughs) how to keep yourself safe while you're on the water via that flotation device that float plan everything um are there certain hazards that you might encounter that you should be aware of while you're on the water like parts of the river you should avoid um weather concerns stuff like that
2: there are loads of of safety (laughs) hazards (laughs) out there uh uh, that you need to be aware of you know, no matter where you're paddling whether, and once again I we I keep saying paddling, it's really boating in general. We can just say boating. Um, whether you're flat water boating out on flat water or on the river, there's always things to be aware of. Whether it's whether it's weather, like you said, um, uh, to be concerned about. We all know how it is in Kansas. It's it's no no secret that uh Kansas weather can be a little volatile sometimes. You know, go from a beautiful calm day to a very nasty um day, mainly because of the wind. But um luckily in Kansas you can see that storm coming from a long ways away. So that's one thing we've, we've got going for us. So um but so weather is a a a big thing, you know, before you go out, always check the weather forecast. You know, be checking the weather forecast that week. then then on the day that you go out um for any kind of boating. Um and even while you're out on the water, you know, have your, your phone with you, making sure you you know what's going on. Um and have a kind of a plan to to get back to to safety or back to shore if you need to um so yeah weather wind is a a big big concern know your limits of the weather and and this is more for paddling you know know you know if you're not a strong paddler don't you know maybe not go out when it's 20 30 mile an hour wind i, I wouldn't want to be out there anyways but but know your limits of what you can handle and what you can't i always tell people also also for paddling make sure however far you go, you, you have to come back. So <laughs> as far as knowing your own limits, um, fitness wise, no, know that however far you go, you've, you've got to paddle back. And sometimes that's, you know, could be against the wind. We always uh, tell people to, if at all possible, go against the wind, um, out on your trip first, that way you can kind of cruise back. And that's obviously a little more, um, for flat water for, um river paddling it's a a little different so weather um just just make sure you're watching watching the weather um clouds roll in wind picks up cold front stuff like that things to watch out for um as far as river river paddling or river boating in general um there's yeah there's lots of uh, hazards that could uh, come up it's um to deal with the current um, water levels is a big thing you know no the main thing is know the river that you're paddling. You know, no, you know, look it up. Look, look what the um, the the big safety hazards are that are map, you know, are in maps um, and mapped out that you can watch out for. Um, yeah, the water the water level is a big thing. Things get covered up. The river flows faster, the you know, or slower depending on the water level. Um, there's things called strainers which can be you know branches and sticks and stuff like that in the In the river that you want to avoid, make sure you stay, you know, for motorboating, make sure you stay in the main channel kind of thing, you know, the, the water levels, you know, um, so you're not hitting, hitting anything, you know, debris something to always look out for, um, for boating in the, in the river or in the lake when water's high, we've seen trees floating across the, (laughs) across the lake before, so, um, that's something to to look out for. Um, dams, um, low head dams is a is a big one that we often try to educate about that um, a lot of people aren't aware of. Um, they're kind of a, a somewhat scary thing to encounter if you do. Um, that unfortunately don't look very um, scary. Um, are you guys familiar with low head low head dams? <laughs> yeah, let's talk yeah. about that a little and like what to look out for. Yeah. Um. So so let, a low head dam is just I mean, as it, as it states, it's a low, um, lowly, low structured um, dam that doesn't look very, um, very intimidating, but they are very deceiving. Um, And they, since they are so low set in the water, as they come over that edge, they form what we call almost like a washing machine effect. And and you get um, that turn underneath the water is way more forceful than anyone can ever imagine. Um, it, I, you know, I've, I've seen videos of it taking down yachts. I mean, it's a, a decent sized low head dam. I mean it in, and, and unfortunately you get stuck in that, that turn and it's hard to get out of. So, um, so that is something we educate people about, um, a lot because it's something you just need to stay far, far away, uh, away from we've, you know, I've seen you know too many, you know accidents in the in the news all over the country, not not just here um, of, of things happening and and the bad thing about that is you know rescue efforts are hard too as far as low head dam go low head dams go um, because it's dangerous to even get close to them. you know once you get kind of in that zone it it pulls you in a little bit because that that current is just so strong under there. and unfortunately what I tell people you know life jackets, that is the one instance where a life jacket isn't really helpful uh, you know because it's just it doesn't matter what like i said if it if it can sink a boat it's a difficult thing to escape once you're in there so it's um an unfortunate thing that we have to deal with with um so many dams in the in the country and that's one of the scarier ones so we always just try to educate people on what they are how to Spot you know know what you're looking for when you um, see one to stay far away from it to know you know they're they're mapped out on the the maps there's you know a couple of them through Wichita and here and there throughout um, the state that so that's all about just before you even get on the water know where that stuff is know you know if you want to portage around it or just stay <laughs> stay the heck away from it um because they're not always very well roped off or flagged off I mean some of them are just it looks like you could just float right up to them and that's unfortunately how that happens um. So so, yeah, they're a very, very scary thing to be um, that you definitely need to be educated about and be aware of and and do everything you can to to avoid them. Chelsea, you you said the word portage
3: and I just learned this word very, very recently. So I wonder if you would clarify what you mean when you say portage around a dam.
2: Yeah, uh, I you know can't tell you where the 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 origin of the word or anything, but, <laughs> but portage means to, um, literally to, you know take your boat out if there's some kind of obstruction or something in in the river. It's it's usually done in rivers. It's if you're flat water, um, paddling. It's it's obviously not a, a big thing, but yeah, portaging it just means you know if you're come to some kind of obstruction in the river or you know a lot of times you know like in kansas like if there's a part of the river that's too low or something and you can't it's or too you too shallow you can't get the boat through it you have to take take the boat out and um carry it through wherever wherever you need to go to get it back into an access point to to get it back in the water and you know a lot of people have to deal with portaging on longer floats and stuff like that when they're they know that they're um not going to be able to paddle the entire way so yeah it's just just getting that. That kayak or canoe out of the out of the water and and hoofing it across wherever you need to go to get it back into either safer waters or deeper waters or, or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. A, yeah fun word.
3: <laughs> well, you know we've kind of hit the heavy and maybe it's per Chelsea's recommendation of like paddling against the wind first because now we're gonna cruise back with some of the fun aspects of being out on the water in these vessels. Um, Chelsea, I wonder if you could first start with like, maybe if we've got any beginning or aspiring paddlers or boaters listening to the podcast today, what would you recommend as like a really great place to start to get out on the water in a vessel?
2: Yeah. um, You know, that's the great thing about paddle sports is they're so accessible for, you know, for everybody, no matter your um, your, your limitations or your, your experience for, um, for boating They're you know, something that is, you know, semi-affordable, semi-portable, semi, you know, um, that you can go out today and get one, not so much lately because it's yeah, been no so kidding. busy. We'll t- I'll talk about that too, but, um, but you know, that you can get yourself and, and carry yourself, paddle yourself, um, and go out and no matter what your, um, experience is and get out on the water. Uh, with that said doesn't mean you still don't need some kind of prior knowledge or education to to know what you're um getting yourself into but it is it's a it's a fun thing that you know anybody can do you don't need all this fancy equipment um feel free if you want but it's a you can start at a semi you know affordable cost you know you can go into a big box big box store and get a kayak um and as long as you're educated about it get out there and paddle um so it's it that is one great thing about it, and there's so many different options of, of styles as far as um, experience goes. You know what? Don't need. I mean, there's really certain equipment isn't meant for certain experience level. Um, more if you if you get more experience, you might just want fancier things, more expensive. So then you might you know take take the steps up, but. But really, um, there's a couple different kind of kayaks. So if we're just talking about kayaks, there's, um, and, and really kayaks and paddle boards, um, can, can both abide by this rule. But anything that's wider and longer is going to be more stable. So if you have a, a wider, longer kayak or, um, paddleboard that's gonna be able to hold more weight it's gonna be more stable on the water but also longer longer boats tend to track better in the water and then shorter boats are better at turning so if you're doing river paddling there's um you know a shorter boat there's there's so many different little things that um depending on what you're where you're paddling and what you're paddling kind of that you can look out for but um so yeah so it's uh unfortunately since it has been so busy in the last year, you know, you've been seeing we've been what was last year it was like a 30 percent increase or something of the paddler of people, um, paddlers out on the water um, taking up a new new sport, which we all love to see. I love to see that. Um, unfortunately, that comes with more people that don't necessarily aren't aren't properly educated. Um, unfortunately, these big box stores are selling, you know, they have these boats <laughs> they have the boats and nothing else. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> no, we don't sell life jackets. Um and the, and the employees that don't necessarily have the, the knowledge to, to give to these people. So, um, so we are really um, looking out for that, but, uh, so, so educate yourself. There's, there's courses that you can take, but yes. Yeah, so, um, experience you can level, you can, you know, grab any, any kind of there's sit on tops, sit on top kayaks and sit in kayaks depending on preference. Um, sit on top kayaks tend to be used a little bit more by the, by the experience or by the inexperienced more the beginners. Um, but with that also comes preference. I, I prefer a sit on top kayak. That's just kind of what I always have, but, uh, that, um, and I'm not a beginner, but, um, it also just depends on kind of what you're, what kind of experience you're looking for. So, so, but yes, that is, that's what I love about paddling is you, it's so easy to get into. and so easy to get addicted to and, and, you never get tired of it because there's so many different places to go and different um, paddle craft that you can try out. So Seriously. I had a kayak
1: and I loved it. (laughs) I had to sell it and I miss it all the time. Sitting here talking to you, I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to buy another one. (laughs) Oh yeah. We've been like on the We're borrowing
3: Jacob's parents' kayaks. And now we're like, we need fishing kayaks. It has to happen. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) I I love kayaking. Yeah.
2: My husband's trying to pick out a pick out a fishing, a fishing kayak. His birthday was just this weekend. I bought him a paddle for a kayak he doesn't have yet, but I, like, <laughs> I it's like, you know, I'm not gonna be able to afford to buy you the kayak, but I can buy you the paddle. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good paddle. So Start. whenever he gets one, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it is addicting. And that's one of my favorite things probably about this job. If I teach a, a class or something is, you know, heard a hearing from them later that they're like, I just got a paddleboard for Christmas and I can't wait to take out like I don't love that no, nothing more than to hear people take that next step I mean like even like people here in uh, you know for hunter education stuff you know then all of a sudden they take that step by themselves and, and go out and do, do it by ourselves so oh yeah it's, it's a lot of fun
3: yeah, I was telling my mom about the class she taught, actually, because she wants to learn how to do a stand-up paddleboard. My little brother's going to school in Florida. And so she's like, I want to learn how to stand-up paddleboard so I can go paddleboard yeah. in Florida. So I told her she needed to come to one of your classes yeah. or something. Yeah,
2: there's nothing better than paddling on, on clear, clear waters in the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you can see some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> Goals
1: yeah (laughs) for real okay so speaking of getting out on the water once once our listeners have their own paddle boards or their own kayaks where can they take them like i know that there are some areas where we do have um those oh my gosh The river trails. (laughs) Thank you. And um, like places they can put their watercrafts in the water Mm -hmm. where they can take them, where they can't take them private versus public waters. Can you touch on that a bit?
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, whether you're looking to do some flat water paddling or some river paddling, we've got um, quite a few, you know, resources to... To explore um, and so you know we've got numerous reservoirs throughout the state the beautiful places that you can put your put your boat in uh, p- put your kayak or paddleboard in um, at any of the access points there on the the boat ramps um, and then we have unfortunately in Kansas um, we are not not blessed with uh, a lot of public river um, access public public rivers we have three public rivers here in Kansas that are actual, yes, um national water trails, national um river trails. Uh and that would be the the Arkansas, lovely referred to as the Ark, and then the Kansas and then the Missouri River. So um those are the three major ones that uh that you can take your take your boat out on and and paddle without worrying about whether it's public or private. Um as far as getting and and those access points, you know, you can find also on our on our um website under activities um you go to rivers and it'll talk about the three national water trails um about that the arkansas was the most recent one over the last so four or five years and so that was exciting to add on to um so you can paddle those um and explore explore the water that way um still when you're getting out if it's because some of those rivers do go still go through p- or private um private land so as far as getting out or portaging or anything overnight camping stuff like that you need to figure out where you're where you're stopping where you're going through because you you still might need permission to to get off the water um on somewhere or access somewhere um as far as that goes um as far as uh private rivers unfortunately um you need permission from both sides of the of the land to be able to even be on the water you know it doesn't matter if you access it some other way you can, so wherever you go through you need that um permission unless it goes through some kind of um you know government entity, like through a city or through a you know a public there are some private rivers that you know, go through some public areas where you can access them and get on them but other than that you need unfortunately permission from both both sides and sometimes property lines can be kind of tricky you know to figure that out it you know, take some calling around or some different maps and stuff to figure that out so the best is just to stick. you know stick to the the public the public areas and, and and paddle that way but uh but yeah otherwise we have more more than people probably probably think uh and um our state fishing lakes are another great option you know those are kind of like the unsung places of some of our our land that we um have as an agency you know the big reservoirs are great um too but some of those state fishing lakes with some beautiful little state fishing lakes that you can take out on the water um the the, the rule of thumb for um the regulation for state fishing lakes is they're they're for motorized watercraft um can only be used for fishing. Um and and most of the time it's um five mile an hour. It's um idle, you know. No, no wake. wake zone. Yeah, no wake. <laughs> it came, it was gonna come to me eventually. No wake zone. Um So, and that's just used for fishing, but for paddling, you can go out and paddle on a state fishing lake and not necessarily have to be fishing, um, as far as non-motorized watercraft goes. Um, so there's some great, uh, state fishing lakes out there too are some nice uh, some smaller some smaller bodies of water that might not be might not be so affected by the wind or you know there you can paddle around an entire state fishing lake in an afternoon and and cover a lot of neat stuff so Mm -hmm. oh yeah
3: well and also some of our state parks have um facilities like rental facilities as well yeah so i know um school Manhattan. So I think of Tuttle Creek State mm-hmm. Park and they have a great kayak rental program where you can get out on the water and try out some of those activities. Um, but yeah, check around, check in your area and see where you can get some of that stuff rented. There's also independent businesses um, that do rent kayaks. And so if you're trying new equipment and you're not exactly sure what you want to buy yet, that's always a great option to try before you buy. Mm-hmm. Um, do your research into the safety and the qualifications of those organizations. Of course, um, you know, make sure you're putting your own safety first and foremost, right, Chelsea?
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. And spe- speaking of safety, um, sorry, I always come back to no, <laughs> maybe it. the not so fun safety stuff, um, is boating education. That's kinda of one thing we haven't really um like at least official boating education that we haven't talked about, which mm-hmm. is kind of the basis of of my job. Um, is, you know, anyone in the state of Kansas, um, anyone between the ages of twelve and twenty that wanna be able to operate a, a motorized watercraft, um, alone, unaccompanied, so by you know by themselves without someone you know right there um needs to have boating education a boating education certificate so they need to take that course um unless they're like i said supervised by an adult someone 21 and older or 18 and older if they have their certification so if you want to be able to do that, um, you need to take a boating education course, and that can be um, online. We have a handful of online vendors that um, provide the course for us that are also listed on our website. And then, you know, every once in a while, we'll have some in-class, um, some in-person classes available as well. Um, when when there kind of is a, a need for them, a lot of people prefer to do the online thing these days. Um, and then we also have a home study packet option for those maybe not don't have a. Um, easy access to the internet or, or, uh, something like that. So you just need to pass that certi- or pass that course and, and get your certificate and, um, carry that with you when you're on a, on a motorized watercraft, you do not need that, um, for paddling. That's not required. It's just for motorized water for, um, sailboats and motorboats. Um, but there are still resources, you know, it's still very important to educate yourself for you know, paddling. There's, there are some paddling courses, online paddling courses um through like the one one company that we have listed on our on our webpage as well that you can find us is, is voter exam they have a great free it's free um a paddling course that you can um take on online little paddling course to kind of that's that's a little more paddling specific um if that's what you're looking for to to take so lots of yeah like i said lots of resources to educate yourself before you get on on the on the water so
3: yeah well as much as we love to be on the water, there are also some little critters in the water that love to hitch a ride with us, whether we are on paddle crafts or motorized vessels. Um, Chelsea, can you talk to us about those little critters and some precautions we can take to make sure that we're not giving them a ride anywhere?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's as far as, and you know, what was it, ANS, A-N-S species, aquatic nuisance species. Um there's lots of different um, species in the state of Kansas that are a, a bit of a nuisance that have either been introduced um, and carried over through uh, from other states. Um, they've been around for a long time and unfortunately have have um, spread. And as much as we try, um, but this still education is is key to, to let people know what these what these critters, as you say, are and kind of what we can do to to at least prevent the further spread of um, spread of them. Because there are things that we can do. Um, you know one of the ones that a lot of people um, is, is very more well known are those are the zebra mussels and and those are ones that we can help by you know it doesn't matter if you have a, a motorized watercraft or, or a paddle um, paddle boat really anything that carries any kind of water. I mean, in it you know, we all know these things can get in any, you know, any tiny little space. What are the, the villagers that, you know, get, get in, um, the water and on things. And, uh, so really taking care of your equipment is the biggest thing is when you get it out of the water, no matter what it is, no matter what you're, um, operating, um, bring it out of the water and yeah, wash it down, hot, hot water if possible, especially this is also key. If you're in and out of different bodies of water a lot, um, clean drain and dry is our department you know is what we all all say so you know clean it wash it off um hot water if possible but rinse it off drain uh, you know drain it all out all the you know live wells or any anything that holds water um spray off your trailers and you know anything from your paddles and your um kayaks and let it sit out if it's i mean, if you're not gonna be in another body of water anyway anytime soon, drying it out for you know a week or so is is also good as long as it's um, dry, you're good to go um, you know, store your kayaks and stuff upside down so everything can drain. but yeah, to not not transporting things from from lake to lake or river to river, um, bait, stuff like that um, that shouldn't be in you know nothing should leave the water alive <laughs> to go into another another it's amazing what these things can stick to and what they've uh, you know, we were just being at Wilson. I haven't been up to Wilson in a long time and you just, it's so sad. You see him along the shorelines and, and that just, you know, they're on the beaches and it's sad to think this kid, that it's not something we had to worry about. But unfortunately that's the reality of it these days. And then as long as we can try, try to do our best to not, to not let it get any worse, but yeah, that's, it's just most, mostly education. Just try to get public aware of what they're looking for and what to do to prevent it. So
3: Right. Well, and speaking of that education, we have resources on our website dedicated specifically to um educating the public on A and S species and the role they can play in managing the spread of those species. So um if you go on our website and I believe it's under education Uh, We can link it in the show notes as well, but we do actually have an ANS aquatic nuisance species quiz you can take um, for ANS ID and then also quiz over like proper procedures. Like Chelsea mentioned, um, she gave you some good hints for that quiz there on like clean, drain, dry, um, different things you can do to prevent that. So do check that out and we will link that as well because that's a really awesome free quiz that you can take to bolster your education. So Chelsea, I think we're, uh, we're getting to the end of our conversation here. We could talk to you, I
2: think all day about so boating. <laughs> I know. Like there's so many fun and uh, fun topics about, um, boating that to talk about, it's just so diverse and so, so much to know and learn and be aware of that. Yes, I could, I could sit here and talk you off all day, but, but yeah, sometimes it's best to get to the, get to the good stuff and, and really tell what people, what they need to know. But yes, I could talk about it all day. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So one of the things that we are starting to really start doing with each one of our episodes is give our listeners a challenge or some way something that they can take away from the episode and apply it in real life. So along the lines of reducing the spread of aquatic nu- aquatic nuisance species, is there anything else our listeners and water goers can do to help support Kansas waterways, uh, improve access to those places, just overall help the health of Kansas waters?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I uh, said, be on the lookout for ANS A- 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 aquatic nuisance species, take care of your equipment, take care of the bodies of water that you go into, you know, bring, you know, take out whatever you bring, you know, bring with you as far as, you know, litter and waste and, you know, don't tear up the shoreline, you, know, you must not tear up the shoreline, don't tear up the, you know, the, the boat ramps, you know, don't power load your boat, little things like that to to keep the access points um nice and well-maintained, um, you know, buy your fishing license, you know, donate, right. Make sure your boats are registered and, and, uh, just take care of your, take care of the areas that you, um, that you go visit and, and, and advocate for that kind of stuff. Add, you know, advocate, advocate, um, you know, be an educator yourself and, and, and let people know about that kind of stuff and just, um, yeah. So,
1: Yeah. You leave the area better than you find it always. I mean, I know people who go kayaking or paddle boarding and they always bring a mesh bag with them that they just kind of tow behind them and they put trash in it that they find in the river. They just pick it up while they're out there and like they're doing their part to keep our waterways clean and safe for wildlife and humans alike. So.
2: Yeah. And that's the great thing about paddling, which I didn't even really touch on is that you can get in places that you might not otherwise motorize watercraft. So then so that's probably why why you can find find unfortunately, you know, some trash in places that you you know other people can't. So that's kind of also a neat neat way to to travel the to, to waters is get into places with paddle So yeah.
3: Well Chelsea, it's been fantastic having you on with us. Thank uh-huh. you so much. Um, I do want to encourage all of our listeners that if you have specific questions for Chelsea that we didn't hit on today, be sure to follow up with us and let us know and uh, we'll get in touch with Chelsea and make sure your questions get answered. So probably the easiest way to contact us is by going through our agency's Facebook page at KDWPT, Kansas Wildlife Department of Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Oh Lord, <laughs> do you even work here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't fire me. Um, anyway, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us is on through that Facebook page, um, and then we'll make sure that we get those questions to Chelsea, and she can weigh in with her expert
1: advice. Um, but yeah. I, yeah. We can also just drop Chelsea's email somewhere that you guys can easily find it. If that's yeah, cool. No, with you. I'm, yeah, I'm
2: happy to talk about voting with anybody. You know, <laughs> I and, and, figured. Yeah. Any Any Hit me up. <laughs> Awesome. Well, as you get out
3: and hit those waterways and the flatlands or the not so flatlands, as we all know, um, be sure to think of Chelsea and give us a shout and uh, be sure to, sure to tune in to future episodes. Um, give us a like, share us with your friends and leave comments and reviews because we love to improve the podcast at all times and make sure that we are incorporating your ideas and suggestions. Um, if you're interested in being a guest or have a great idea for a guest or a topic, we love to hear it. So um, be sure to engage with us in that way. And yeah, sure with your friends so other than
2: that any more news for the flatlands have fun get out there and and paddle and be safe have fun out on the water wear your sunscreen and your life jackets bum bum
3: bum (laughs) awesome well thank you guys we'll see you soon
0: flatlander podcast is made possible through a partnership between the kansas department of wildlife and parks and the kansas wildlife federation Sound in production by Megan Mayhew. Music by Kansas locals, The Box Turtles. Become a member of KWF for free by visiting KansasWildlifeFederation.org, and be sure to follow KWF on Facebook at Kansas Wildlife Federation and on Instagram at KS Wildlife Fed. Stay up to date on all things KDWP by following the department on Facebook at Kansas Wildlife and Parks and on Instagram at the KDWP. Remember the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks is supported by flatlanders like you through the sale of licenses and permits. Consider buying a hunting or fishing license today to conserve and protect the wild spaces and faces that make Kansas more than flyover country.